but uh, there's, there's always going to be something we could have to say about the church. Some would say the church is a man-made invention, not, a, not God's idea. And, and I beg to differ about that. I, I think uh, if you look through the, the contents of your New Testament, I might just flick to it now, um, the contents page. And the first four books of the whole New Testament are all about what Jesus did and the very formation of a group of 12 people that would, 12 people and 70 people and 120 people that would begin become the, the formation of the church. And then it goes in to record the, the Acts of the Apostles. So that was the very basis, the forming of the early church. And then the next um, seven cities that are written to are all letters to churches in those cities. So when I believe that when God looks at a, a city, he doesn't just see um, a denomination in a city as the church. I actually see that he looks across the city of Lismore, Ganelabar, and says this is the church of this area. Um, so we do have that in common with each other, even though there's different strands, if you like, different streams, different emphasis. Uh, we're all part of that one church in this in this city. And I think we have power in, in that sense. Um, <coughs> but if you look at the uh, the letters, you know, the book of Romans is a letter to the people in the, in the church of the city of Rome. Uh, uh, Corinthians, a letter to Corinth. Galatians to Galatia. Um, Ephesians to Ephesus. Philippians to the people in Philippi. I mean, you just look through, there's seven cities mentioned there. And then after that, there's letters to people. So there's letters to Timothy. There's a letter to Titus, there's a letter to Philemon, there's three letters to people. And straight after that in Hebrews, it's a letter to a whole culture. A whole, um, the Jews, a letter to the Jewish people about bringing the Old Testament into the New Testament. This is how it was then and this is how it will be now. This is the culmination. Jesus' coming was the culmination of everything in the Old Testament. And, uh, and so it's explanation around that. And then the, the last uh, four are letters to individual um, that is from individual people. So we've got James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James. And uh, we've got 1 Peter and 2 Peter, letters written by Peter, letters, three letters written by John, and then we go into a letter written by a fellow called Jude. And then finally we've got the, um, the, the wrap-up of the whole thing, the prophecy of Revelation. And so if you want to look at the whole of the New Testament, it's all about the church. It's all about church being a real thing and God's method of getting his good news to go out to every person in every town, in every place. And uh, so I think if you wanted to say, oh, I don't think church is important, I beg to differ. Church is one of the most important organic things that you'll do in terms of relationships in your life. Uh, and so particularly as, as you're more likely to get help at a church than you are, in just an ordinary group of people um, like that are members of a club or something. If you're into motorbikes, you'll get help with fixing your motorbike, sure. But uh, you may not necessarily get that relationship help and that connection with God that, that you're looking for. Uh, I believe there's a deep, um, a deep hunger in each person. Every single person that exists, there's a deep hunger to know God. And that's part of what the church is here for, is that God's name be known, that Jesus' message be told and the good news come through okay let's uh, have a quick look at um thanks thanks luke for that um, verse there so if you wanted to turn to acts 2 starting at verse 41 this is a bit of a description of the early church uh so this is straight after the day of pentecost peter's get up peter gets up he preaches to the crowd and this is the tail end of that it says then those who gladly received his word were baptized 
that day about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. <laughs> Hang on. Have I got my glasses? It's all right. Uh, added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the, and to fellowship. Yeah? To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So if we want a model of what church could look like, this is a pretty cool scripture. If, if you look at this, there's actually 15 key points right through that whole thing. So, so you've got the... They gladly received teaching. That's one point. You know, they got baptized. That's another. They continued steadfastly with the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That's another. I'm still. I'm getting old. See, I need glasses. He says. Um, the breaking of bread and communion. That's something that we've done together. Um, Two thousand years after it was first done. Uh, prayers together. That's another thing we've done this morning. The fear. Um, the fear of God. Wonders and signs and favor was poured out over the people. Okay, am I going? We try forty-four. Yep. Uh, now all who believed were together and and had all things in common. Wow. How many people, when they get together, have everything in common? Like, not always. So, uh, so that's why it's really important to get with your pastor and say, "Hey, pastor, what are we doing here? What's the what's this church all about? What are we here for? What do you believe we're here for?" And and to get alongside pastor and. And, and together say, okay, we can have all things in common. We can share this common vision. And like, really, it, it's, um, it's not rocket science in, in terms of what churches are there for. I mean, really, we're, we're called to introduce people to a real relationship with Jesus, to make followers of those people for Jesus' sake, and to multiply healthy churches. That's really, at the end of the day, that's all that's... Uh, the church is, that's what the church is here for, that we would worship God together and make his na- name known. Fantastic. <coughs> so so that's, your, that's your starting point of, of being in common and having all things together. Verse 45, And they sold all their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And, that's, and I tell you what, that's going to be a full-on church if that keeps going and turns out like that. Um, that's, that's our ideal. That's, that's what it, ideally we can do. Um, I got together with some men recently. We've started a small group. Um, there's uh, six of us in the group. And uh, it came out of a, a men's camp a while back. And we got together at the men's camp and shared some pretty intimate stuff with each other over the weekend. We came back to our town and, and we started to get together some money. Um, so we've got 100 bucks that we're going to put towards a project, so we're going to add to that as we go. But we're in the process of working out what this small group of men, six guys, what these six guys can do between us. And, and I believe that, that that kind of stuff is powerful because we've got some trust with each other. We've, told, we've disclosed some really personal stuff with each other and, and um, we've begun to, to, to do that process together. So we've got accountability and we've got... Um, dependability and consistency, and we, we've got we got an action-oriented approach, and and um, and we're bold about it, which is all the INC directives. If you ever wanted to have a look at um, INC, is actually um, bold, active, and dependable. So INC is bad, bold, active, and dependable. All right. So that's that's the movement that we belong to. That's that's our tribe, if you like, in the world. 
Um, that's our nation in the world, if you like, because um, INC is right across the nations now. <coughs> but that's just a sample of, you know, us guys getting together in that sort of way, putting our, even pulling our money and, and uh, saying we can do something together as a, as a small group that's going to be powerful. We haven't worked out what that is yet, but uh, I'm sure in the next couple, of, in the next two weeks, we'll have that sorted. Yeah. Verse 46. They divided up things as people had need every day, continuing daily in one accord in the temple, and then breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Who loves it when you're with other people and they're happy? What about who loves it with other, when you're with other people and they're just simple? Like in terms of the motivations behind what they're doing is just simple. Um, there's, a, there's a genuineness about it, an authenticity about it. Uh, and so that simplicity of heart is something that God really values. Where our, our motives aren't divided, you know, like I'm going to go to this, um, but part of the reason I'm going to that will make me look good, you know, or part of the reason I'm going to this is that I'll be more popular or, or I'll feel better about myself and, and stuff. And God loves it when that attitude of our heart is just so sim- simple that we just want to love God and love others. And, and, and when it just all boils to, down to that, it just makes things so simple. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about people gossiping because they won't gossip because they go, oh, if I share that, that'll actually hurt someone else and then that'll cause damage to their life. And so they'll hold back on gossiping and, and, and will hold back on, on saying things that are not encouraging to each other. Hey, um, verse 47, we're nearly there. Praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's fantastic scripture. So there's 15 things in there if you want to take it home and have another look at it of, of healthy church life, what it can look like. If we jump forward to Acts 15, verses 24 to 29, we've got this situation where we've got on, on the one side we've got the Jews, the Hebrews, if you like, on the one side, and on the other side we've got the Gentiles. Now, all of Jesus' followers were Jewish, Right? Because Jesus was a Jew, he was a rabbi, and he and he went and found people that were Jewish and called them to follow him. So they were part of his plan, and, and right from the very beginning, God had given the Jews the responsibility of recording the history of mankind according to God. And so that's the whole of the Old Testament, is the Jews um, being God's caretakers of his word, the caretakers of God's message to the world. And the other people that were unbelievers, the Gentiles, didn't get to be a part of that unless they believed in God. And so there's various people throughout the Old Testament that weren't Jewish, but because they believed in God, God brought them into his family. Um, I think there was Rahab, was a, pro- a prostitute even. And, uh, and she was quickly included into God's plan because she had faith enough in God that she saw the Hebrews coming to be spies in her town and she hid them and protected them from her, the people of her town. She was already an outcast. She didn't have too much else to lose, but she believed in God, and so God brought her into his family. So all along, God's wanted to include the people that are non-Jewish into his family. And so we've got this situation in the church where the Jewish people, as they believed in God, they, um, they thought, oh, okay, now we've really got it. Now we've got Jesus dying for us on the cross, so we don't have to do sacrifices anymore. We're already made right with God. But these Gentiles, we're going to stay away from them because they're unclean. So Peter has this dream, and in the dream, there's um, th- sheets coming down from heaven with unclean animals in it, and God says, "Eat from that." And he goes, "No, I won't, God." 
And then God used that dream to show him that the Gentiles, God wanted to make them clean and include them in his family. So this is a backup to this story. Acts 15 verse 24 says, We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So the Jewish people were wanting to put all these rules on the Gentiles to make them do certain stuff so that they were okay with God. And, and in essence, what God was wanting to say is, no, you're made right through the sacrifice of Christ. And in essence, there's, uh, there's nothing more you can do to make yourself any more righteous than that. You don't have to just follow a set of rules. So they've got these two cultures, the Jews and the, um, and the Greeks, the Gentiles, and they're at odds with each other because the Jews go, well, if you want to come into our culture, you've got to do our stuff. And, and, this is, and God's saying, it's, no, it's okay. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. So basically they've sent a couple of offsiders who are leading leaders to go and say, look, we're going to make sure that this goes down well because we're going to actually, we love you so much that we're going to send someone that makes sure this culture change is going to work as the Gentiles, come, Gentiles become part of the church. Therefore, we're sending Judas um, and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood and from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. So instead of having a whole bunch of rules that they had to live up to and the men would have to get circumcised and all this sort of stuff, which is a pretty tough call, um, instead they said, no, look, look, instead of this whole long list of rules, let's just say stay away from food that's been offered to idols. Food that's going to be um, not healthy for you to eat. You know, if the blood's still in the carcass, it's not going to be healthy for you to eat. And the other part is stay away from sexual immorality. And so they just put these two basic rules out. Instead of this whole long list of stuff that they had to do, they wanted to make it simple. They want to make people to come into God's kingdom. And so they made it simple. And and sometimes that act of uh, loyalty, if you like, that act of 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 being kind to others and accommodating actually speaks more than making up a whole list of rules and say, now you're a member of the club. You know, the, the club mentality is you have to follow the rules and then you're in the club. But in God's kingdom, Jesus makes us righteous and then out of a love for him, we do what he wants. And it changes our motivation. It changes, that, changes the criteria for getting into God's kingdom. It makes it simple makes it really easy to get into God's kingdom. Uh, hard in some ways because you give up everything you are for everything that God is, but we get into God's kingdom. All right, just about done. I'll just say what I said at the beginning again. Stick with the church. It's the best hope you've got. <laughs> Stick with the church. Even though, even though church is messy, if you look in, in 1 Corinthians and work out what hassles they were having in the church there then, crazy stuff going on. So church is messy and it's going to have flawed people in it, like me. And uh, that's going to be a drama sometimes. But it's the best hope we've got for bringing God's message to the world. It's the most effective way for people to be able to shine the love of God into the community around them. 
and, and part of the church is that it's corporate. I mean, you, you can't really, I don't know if you can really say that um, you're being faithful to God if the only connection you have with God is, um, I listen to um, Phil Pringle on my podcast while I'm doing my treadmill at the gym, you know, and then I listen to Christian music in my car. And then that's their connection with God. Oh, I've been so worshipful. I've been so great. But if they're not connected in with the church and there's no, there's no rubber taking traction with the road, then, then it's wasted. Um, I, I love to come and sing live with other people and worship God together. I think that's just so valuable. Um, the scientists, the scientists even say that when a large group of people come together and worship God together in one accord, that their heartbeats actually fall into line with each other. It's a scientific phenomenon. I think, wow, isn't God amazing that He would want us to get together to do church together and not just do it in our home, not just, not just our little family, not just me and my wife, or not just me and my mate. But church as corporate thing, and I think there's such value in it. I think this coffee shop thing, if everyone's not going to it, um, why not? You know, you might be at work, but I, I guess that's, um, that's fair enough. <laughs> but maybe you could make time with other Christians during the, during the week to, to do that. And if you're not a bold person, maybe get bold and invite someone out to coffee. What's a good time for you? And I'll shout you a coffee, you know, and just do something like that. Uh, that's what church is about. We don't attend church, we are the church. I think that's just about wrapped it up. The other part of um, that whole thought is, apart from church, is messy, is that we sometimes treat church like consumers. Like, How many gets annoyed at Christmas time when they put all their Christmas stuff and you go, yeah, that's not about Jesus anyway? And, and, and you know, we'd say, that's consumerism, consumerism. But sometimes we look at church as though we're consumer. What am I getting out of church? You know, I went along and, and oh, there was nothing there great for me. You know, you might be thinking that to yourself. You know, what was in it for me? But I mean, really, church is about what we bring to it just as much as what we get out of it. So what are you bringing to church with you when you come to church? Uh, and just have that thought in your mind. What am I, who am I going to encourage today? Who am I going to bless today? Who am I going to um, make an appointment with this, this week? Who am I going to, you know, share with? So uh, we can't just worship when it's convenient for us. We can't just um, disconnect from the church because it's actually being faith, faithless towards Jesus. If it's, it's the fact that we're amongst other flawed people that actually grows us <laughs> in our faith. <laughs> the fact that someone's waiting for a healing and we can stand alongside them and say, hey, well, I'll pray with you. I'll believe with you. I'll continue. I'll write it in my diary so that I remember during the week to pray for you. And, uh, and carry on that way. All is to say, stick with the church. It's the best hope you've got for surviving in this world. Last scripture is Ephesians 3, 8, verse, uh, 8 through to 12. Ephesians 3, 8 to 12. Although I am less than... The least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is Paul speaking. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold or, or 
many varied wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Isn't that cool? I can read from up the back. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. One last one. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So there's a lot of content in that. If you heard that for the first time, you'd be going, what? Hang on, let's just back up a minute. So the first bit, although I am less than least of this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So this is Paul, who was a Jew of the Jews. He was a, um, a, a priest of priests and thought that by following the rules he would be made right with God. And then God's like, no. Nah. Jesus um, attacks him on the road to Damascus and appears to him as a great white light, falls off his Falls to his falls to the ground and uh, and he's blinded and then later on he gets his sight back by a guy that was told to go to his house in particular the guy that hadn't met him before so crazy this guy gets to preach to the Gentiles the greatness of God's thing unsearchable riches of Christ to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery make everyone see what is the fellowship of the mystery now the mystery is from the beginning of the ages is that from the beginning of time Jesus Christ was already planned to step into humanity and show us who God is and then to die for us, to be a perfect sacrifice for the things we've done wrong and then to invite all people everywhere to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's a mystery, I reckon. Because if you go for um, maybe 4,000 years... um, without seeing Jesus but knowing that someone's supposed to be a saviour that's coming to save the world, that's a mystery, isn't it? You, you, live, for four th- you, you live through those 4,000 years and, and you read the old writings and you go, um, you know, right from Genesis we, we reckon that, that there's going to be someone special come and, and be Christ to us, to be a saviour for all of us and, and it's a mystery. So that's hidden through Jesus Christ and um, verse 10, to the intent the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That's part of what we did this morning, praying over um, that winter solstice thing and, uh, and, and saying this is the church coming together, we're praying and we're changing things in, in the spirit realm. We have that authority. You have that authority, Amanda Baker. That's pretty cool. And especially when we come together and we reunite our Faith in our hearts in that, that's, that's awesome stuff. Next verse, according to the eternal purpose he's accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord, and the last part, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this church, Lord God. I thank you that it is a power to be reckoned with in this town. I thank you for the quality of faith that's in these people right here this morning, God. Father, we just declare right now that we, um, we're thankful for a new pastor. Father, we just want to get behind him and back him with every bit of support that we can give, Lord. We want to add our faith to his, Lord God. We want to be part of the vision for this place, part of the strategy that you have for this area, for the church of Lismore, God. And Father, we thank you that we belong to your church in this day and age, that we're able to speak up and, and protect um, the institution of marriage, for instance, God. We're able to stand up and be a voice, Lord God, to to people that are hurting around us and say with simplicity, God loves you, I love you, why don't you want a relationship with God? 
And Father, we, we bring that together today, Lord God. We thank you that we are together in that one accord, in that sense, God, that we do love you with all our heart. We want to love you so much more, God. We want to love you with our strength and our mind and everything that's in us. But we also want to love others, Lord, as we love ourselves. And we want to take that to Lismore, to Ganelabar, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. You guys rock.